Welcome to Fearless Mom. We are smack in the middle of our Lessons Learned series. We are talking about how we can learn from each other's stories. We learn from other mom's stories. We can also share our stories in the hopes that it would encourage someone else. Last week, we kicked it off with Kim Watson. Was she amazing? She was incredible. She shared her story about her and Aaron, how they were so hard to keep marriage and family and faith a priority, um, what it's like to parent with a husband who travels so much, what it's like to suffer great loss but dig deep and find hope in that loss, and what it's like having a preteen and having little ones and raising them up in the world of social media. She and Erin have an incredible um, social media platform, and they are intentional about using it for good, and she shared her story with us. She was sharing that not because she believes that she did everything right or that her way is the only way, but she shares her story with the hope and the assurance that others will benefit from it, that her story can be used by God to benefit others. That's what this whole series is about, lessons learned, what we can learn from others. And you know what? Scripture says that God can use all things, say all things, he uses everything to work together for good. It doesn't mean that everything that happens is good. It says that God can take all those things and use it for his glory and for our good. And that's what we believe. We believe that God will use your story God can use my story to help and encourage others. And so we're gonna dive in today, it's my very favorite. So first, let's give a shout out to our online moms. Online moms, we are cheering you on. If you are watching or listening, maybe with a group, maybe by yourself, our prayer is that you feel the love from the ATX. We believe in you and we are with you. Let's pray together and get started. God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for technology that allows us to reach beyond these walls. I thank you for our team at Lake Hills Church who works so hard to get the facilities ready, the technology ready so that we can encourage moms. Right now, God, I ask that you settle our hearts and our minds, that you open our eyes and our ears to see and hear what you want us to see and hear today so that we can be the moms you created us to be, to raise up these kids to be who you created them to be. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. First of all, I wanna acknowledge that I do have fringe on my jacket and I'm really hoping that it doesn't distract me. It already has. Okay, here we go. Friendships are, I can't help it. I can't decide if it should be this way. Anyway, friendships are important. Friends are a big part of our lives. You know, you perhaps have heard, you are the sum of your five best friends. And I thought about that and I'm like, if that's really true, then I should be tall and skinny like Lisa, you know? Or I should be an avid runner and super disciplined like Ashley. Or perhaps I should be a published author and a great leader like Lisa and Brandy or Lori. But guess what? That's not what it means by that, okay? Wouldn't that be amazing if we could look at our friends and just choose the characteristics that we wanted and put them on ourselves? That's not what it means. You are the sum of your five best friends simply means that you receive input, you receive um, direction. Who encourages you really matters. So who your friends are is very important. Friendship is important. Family, obviously at Fearless Mom, we believe family's a pretty big deal, but we also believe that friendship is a very big deal, that we need each other. We need friends who cheer us on. We need friends who challenge us. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the significance of friendship and how to make friends and how to be friends. Years ago um, in our church, at Lake Hills Church, I taught children every week. And when our church first started, we only had children's ministry through about second grade. And I would teach the Bible story every week to the preschoolers and then to the elementary kids. And I'm, I'm a big storyteller, so I love telling Bible stories. And after a few weeks, I had this little boy who had just started coming to church with a friend. And he had heard me tell the story several weeks and he was enjoying it. And then one week he said, Miss Julie, where do you get these stories? 
I, I said, what? I didn't really understand what he meant. He goes, where do you get these stories you tell? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've never told the children that the stories are from the Bible. I was making a big assumption there. So from that week on, every time I told the story, and if your kids are in LHC Kids, they know this right now. The Bible is God's word, and God's word is true. And so we make sure that the kids now know that the stories that I tell are actually from the Bible. The truth of the matter is God gave us his word. He he gave us scripture so that we could learn from it. He gave it to us. Yes, we read truth. There are directions in there, in Proverbs. There's encouragement in Psalms. But when we read the stories of people who actually lived, this is what we say in LHC Kids. My responsibility is to stop and to say, God, what do you want me to learn from this story today? that can help me today as I go out, that can help me um, as I mother, as I wife, as I friend. So today, my very, very favorite story, and guess what, guys? It's from the Bible. I'm not just making it up. It is actually from Scripture, and maybe you don't believe that the Bible is God's Word, and you don't believe it's true. I believe that you can still learn from it. Listen to it as a story. I believe that the Bible is God's word and God's word is true. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture, say all. all. Say it like you mean it this time. Everybody say all. all. Very good. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, including motherhood. I added that at the end. For every good work, it says. And then Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I believe that scripture is God-breathed. I believe that the Bible is God's word and is useful for training us today in 2019. I believe the Bible transcends life stage. I believe it transcends time. But even if you don't believe it, you can learn from today's story. Today, our lesson is about Mary and Elizabeth from Luke 1. You're thinking, Julie, it's not Christmas. I know that. I know it's not Christmas, and I'm sad about it, to be quite honest, but I believe that the Christmas story is not just to be read at Christmas. I believe that when we read the Christmas story only at Christmas, we miss out on a lot of the important parts. The emphasis at Christmas is on the baby Jesus, rightfully so, and I think that's pretty important. But today, we're going to look at two of the primary characters in that story, Mary, everybody say Mary, Mary. and Elizabeth. There are so many truths throughout Scripture that when we dig in again to the Christmas story, particularly that it's not Christmas, so we're going to peel back some layers and we're going to look into the hearts and the lives of Mary and Elizabeth. I absolutely love this story. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what we're going to look at with Mary and Elizabeth. We're going to look at their relationship. We're going to look at Mary and Elizabeth as a model for friendship. Friendship is an important part of life. All research shows that you are healthier spiritually, physically, emotionally, when you have friends in your life. Now, if you're listening today and you're thinking, I just moved, I don't have any friends, or I, I actually... People think I have a lot of friends, but I don't feel like I have any friends. I feel very alone today. I want you to know that God's design and God's desire is for us to live in community. But there are seasons of loneliness for everyone. You are not alone if you're feeling lonely today. But I want you to look at it as a season and understand that I can learn from this so that I can develop friendships in my next season. And so loneliness is not a long-term plan, but you can look at your loneliness and say, God, I'm with you. I know I'm not totally alone right now. But our goal today is to look at friendships, about how to be friends and how to choose friends. I don't know, perhaps you've heard me say, be picky with your clicky. And yes, I say that. Be picky with your clicky. I made that up. You may not have heard that anywhere else. Um, be picky with your clicky. Sometimes click is taken negatively. It has a negative connotation. It means you're snooty. I'm not snooty about choosing friends, but I am selective. 
I'm careful in who I let into my closest circle. I'm careful about from whom I receive counsel. I'm very deliberate about my relationships with my closest friends. In other words, I'm picky with my clicky. Let's look at the definition of friends because we're going to talk about the concentric circles of friends. A friend, so one definition, a person whom one knows, an acquaintance. That would be the outside circle. Maybe you have a big circle of um, acquaintances, a big circle of friends that you know. You like them, you know, they're, they're people you know. And then the next circle, I would say you're good friends, maybe you're close friends. A person whom one knows, likes, and trusts. That's an inner circle. That's, you let them in a little bit closer. You spend maybe a little more time. You receive some counsel from those. So you've got your acquaintances. You've got your close friends. And then now we're going to go to the closest, closest circle. A person with whom one is allied in a struggle, a cause, or a comrade. This is a person that doesn't just cheer for you, but actually fights with you. I have my inner circle, my closest friends. I know that when I'm tired and I think my marriage is not going to work or I think I just can't even stand it another day, my closest friends, they're like, oh, yes, you can. We can do this together. I'm in it with you. I'll fight when you're tired of fighting. My closest friends that, you know, Um, My closest friends, actually, some of them live in other parts of the country. That's the wonderful thing about social media and technology today. They live all over the country. I do have very close friends here. You know Ashley. I talk about her a lot. Um, But my closest friends, Ashley, she lives here. But many of my closest friends live elsewhere. But they are with me. And they're for me. And that is so important. We call these our fabulous friends. They're not just friends. And, you know, people would say F-R-A-N-D. They're my friends. I don't, I don't even know what that is. I've seen that. I'm like, people are, I don't, what is that, you know? And, but, but they're my BFFs. They're, they're my closest, my allies, fighting when I don't feel like fighting. And so how do we make friends? We start by being the friend you want to have. Be the friend you want to have. Are you loyal? Are you encouraging? Are you a comrade? Do you cheer your friends on? Are you intentional about cheering them on and encouraging them? Be the friend you want to have. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend is always loyal. We could stop there. A friend is always loyal. You make that your definition of friend and all of a sudden you've got your inner circle. Because always loyal, that's hard to come by. Those are precious few. Always loyal. And a brother is born to help in time of need. A friend is always loyal. Be the friend you want to have. Today, we have two great role models for friends, Mary and Elizabeth, from the story. We're talking about lessons learned. We're going to learn a lesson from somebody else's story. It's Mary and Elizabeth's story. In the exchange between Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, we learn so much about how to be a good friend, how to encourage, how, um, how important it is to cheer each other on. Now, I'm going to back up, and we're, I'm going to tell you a little backstory before we get into the, that exchange between Mary and Elizabeth. So Elizabeth was very old. I mean, I'm almost 50. She was older than me. She was very old, and the Bible says that she and her husband, Zechariah, Zechariah was a priest. They were very faithful to God, but God had not blessed them with a child. She was way too old to have children. At this point, everyone knew that she had no children. I can only imagine that she was brokenhearted. Um, There was a lot of shame in that day and age when you could not have children because that was the woman's identity. Um, I know that we all have friends. Perhaps you yourself have struggled with infertility. I want you to know that's not a new concept that has been around since the beginning of time. Um, So Elizabeth is older. She's barren. She does not have any children. Zechariah, scripture actually says they were very faithful to God. An angel, Gabriel, appears to Zechariah and says, Zechariah, Elizabeth is going to have a baby. And I'm sure he's thinking, I'm sorry, what? Elizabeth is going to have a baby and you are to name the baby John. It is a miracle, but you and Elizabeth together will have a baby and you are to name him 
He will be, he will tell people, he will prepare the way for the Messiah. So Zechariah goes home and he tells Elizabeth that they're going to have a baby. They end up, guess what? having a baby. But the Bible says that six months into this pregnancy, so here is Elizabeth and Zechariah, remember they're older, um, experiencing a miraculous pregnancy. And so the Bible says that the six months later, so six months into Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel appears to Mary and tells Mary, Mary's the opposite. Mary is unwed and Mary is um, a teenager. She's very young. She is betrothed or engaged to Joseph, but they are not yet married. Now, this is what I believe is so amazing, and this is how good God is. So the angel comes to Mary and says, Mary, you've been chosen. You are going to have a baby, and it's a miraculous baby. This is the Messiah, the Son of God, will be in your womb. I mean, think about that. I would be freaking out about now. I mean, I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Uh, part of me would be like giddy. The other part would want to vomit. And I, I'm just like, then how do I tell my I mean, I'm thinking, what? I cannot wait to meet Mary. And so she is thinking, okay, okay, okay. Look how good God is. He didn't have to do this part. This was a gift. This is what I think reveals the tenderness of our God. I think it's so good. And the angel said to her, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word, everybody say no word. No word. Hey guys, this was an angel. I need you to say it like that, okay? So no word, everybody say it. Much better. No word from God will ever fail. So Elizabeth, six months pregnant. Now Mary, the angel says, you're going to have a baby. And Mary, you're not alone. Elizabeth, your relative, is also miraculously pregnant. If I'm Mary, I'm freaking out. And this is what she says. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. What grace, what poise, what strength. She was a teenager, the Bible says. So I'm imagining there's some of you right now who are in a situation and maybe the situation wasn't as you expected. Maybe the, the turn your life is taking isn't what you planned. And, and God is saying, I got you. It's not going to look like what you thought it looked like, but I've still got you. I'm the Lord's servant. May it be as you have said. Holy mackerel, I can't wait to meet Mary. Let's keep reading. I could stay there because I just think there's so much in her obedience. There's so, but that's not the story today. Okay, here it is. I'm going to keep reading. At that time, at that time, the Bible said, after the angel told her, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. So the angel had just left her saying, you're with child and your relative Elizabeth is also miraculously with child. At that time, Mary hurried. So no time passed, okay? At that time, Mary hurried where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. First ever record of a Christmas celebration. The baby leaped in her womb. Get it, John the Baptist? Are you joking me right now? He heard that Jesus was coming and he leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed to Mary, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. What a gift God gave Mary. He gave her that gift when the angel said, you're not the only one who's miraculously pregnant. Even your relative Elizabeth is also with child. That didn't have to be part of the story. But what a gift. God knows 
the benefit that Mary would have of an older, wiser friend. So it wasn't just someone that just, hey, the lady down the road is with child. It was an older, wiser relative, someone she could trust. It was an older, wiser relative who was also in her same boat, who was also miraculously with child. The angel had told her she would have a baby. In my imagination, I don't know this to be true, but in my imagination, when Mary entered Zechariah's house, as soon as Elizabeth turned and greeted her, Mary was affirmed. In my mind, she's six months pregnant. I was definitely showing at six months pregnant. You could definitely tell. As a matter of fact, she could have told from behind that I was pregnant, you know, when I was pregnant at six, uh, six months. And I don't know what Elizabeth was wearing. I don't know. But in my mind, there is immediate affirmation. On her journey, she's like, was that real? Did I imagine that? I'm pretty sure an angel told me I was going to have a baby. I'm going to go, I'm going to go see. I don't know that to be true, but that is how I imagine her travel. And I imagine her walking in. And the moment, the Bible says that Elizabeth responded immediately. The moment she turned around, Mary was like, okay, okay, here we go. But a friendship built on common ground. A friendship built on trust. What a gift it is to have a friend to whom you don't have to explain anything. Perhaps this was the first fearless mom meeting. When they were both mothers, they were both miraculously pregnant, an older, wiser, helping out the younger one. I don't know. Maybe that was the first fearless mom meeting. Maybe they talked about fearless mom things. I don't know. But I do know that Elizabeth responded with encouragement. She responded with affirmation. God is so good to her. God is so good to Mary. It's just such a gift. A good friend is a gift from God. And I think sometimes when we're reading this story, we miss out on this exchange. And there's so much in here because on paper, the truth is Elizabeth deserved to be the one carrying the Messiah. She'd been faithful for years. She had endured probably some shame. She had just been brokenhearted month after month after month. And yes, she was carrying a baby. But on paper, Elizabeth, it would be fair for her to have the Messiah. Her husband, well, number one, she was married. And number two, her husband was a priest. They'd been so faithful. But Elizabeth didn't look at it that way. She was celebrating her blessing, and she was affirming and encouraging Mary's blessing. There was no jealousy. There was no envy. There was no bitterness. There was no resentment. All we see from Elizabeth, as a matter of fact, in verse 42, if you're not careful, you miss it. In a loud voice, maybe that's why I relate so much to this story, but Elizabeth, in a loud voice, she exclaimed. So there was excitement in her, not just for her baby, but also for Mary's baby. There was excitement, even though perhaps some of us, if we're not careful, we could be focused on how her blessing is bigger than my blessing. And we, we miss out on an opportunity to encourage. We miss out on that when we compare our blessings to others. But in a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord, did you get it? Mary never even told her. There was no evidence that Mary said, "Um, Elizabeth, I'm here because I'm wondering if you can help me out here. An angel told me that I'm giving birth to the Messiah. Have you heard anything like that? There was no, there's none of that. God, it's like there was affirmation without having to say anything. It's amazing to me. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She was overflowing with joy. That had to have been incredible affirmation and encouragement to Mary. We said, be the friend you want to have because being a friend builds a friendship. But comparing to friends kills a friendship. Comparing to friends kills a friendship every single time. 
And it is hard. It is hard not to, because we are wired in a way that we walk into a room and we see how we measure up. We look on social media and we see how we measure up. That's our instinct. That's our nature. And sometimes we go, I shouldn't compare. Don't compare. Don't compare. Don't compare. But you are. And instead of saying, don't do it, we're going to look a little bit about why we do it, when we do it, and what we can do with those feelings. But comparison kills a friendship every time. Instead of comparing, we want to work on connecting. Work to connect and not to compare. Work to connect and not to compare. I've told y'all before that there's a conference that I go to every year um, in uh, Las Vegas. Uh Uh-huh, Pastor's Wives Conference in Vegas. You hear me right. And so anyway, I just love telling people that I go to Vegas. But anyway, um, so I go every year and their, um, their team is incredible. Um, and there are these two young girls on the team. And uh, we were together one night um, after one of the sessions. And we're talking. And I, I've told this story before. You know, they have this, they're young and fit and hip and cute. And I celebrate that. And um, so, but I, I'm looking at them and their hair is so long. They're like, these are extensions. And I'm like, what? I want some extensions. And so they put their extensions in my hair. I think we have a picture. I think we have a, yeah, uh-huh. That's right, that's the appropriate response. Please take the photo down immediately. Yeah, that is the appropriate response. (laughs) This is what happens. The the extensions look so good on them. They look so normal on them. They look so, they they were helpful for them. They looked ridiculous on me. They looked ridiculous on me. So what we say about comparing, we say, be aware when you compare and just remember Julie's hair. (laughs) Be aware when you compare and just remember Julie's hair. Remember how ridiculous. See, God's got something for you that is different than something for her. God has something for Mary. God has something for Elizabeth. Yes, there were similarities, but there were significant differences. There was a role, a significant role for Elizabeth to play. There was a significant role for Mary to play. And they didn't compare their roles. They celebrated them. They ran in their own, look at my fringe. They ran in their own lanes. Oh my gosh. And now every time I tell this story, I'm gonna have to wear this jacket. Work to connect and not to compare. And be aware when you compare and just remember Julie's hair, okay? It's a good truth that I think could impact your life. Um, but if we're not careful, if we're not cautious, our instinct is to compare. That, that's how we're wired because we want to see, am I doing enough? Am I doing the right things? Am I, is what I'm doing the, the same thing? We, we do that with our kids. Is this normal? I'm like, hey, what's normal? Who decided what normal was? Are there benchmarks? Yes. I had one child who was ahead of every benchmark. I had another one. Heavens, if we hadn't pulled him out of the chair, he still wouldn't be walking. You know, and he's 22. Did not speak until he was three. Pediatrician thought I was exaggerating. I'm like, mm, no, not a word. Not one word. I'm like, what? You think I made that up? No, not a word. And he's, that, how does he communicate? Well, a little bit like this. Huh? 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 Ah, ah, ah. And it worked. Emily always knew what he meant. And then, but I'm saying he caught up. Our kids, and if we're not careful, we compare. Part of it is necessary for us to say, is, is my child meeting this benchmark and do I need to do something? Part of it is necessary. It's when we drift into pushing into unhealthy. So we have to use wisdom and discernment. And when we're looking at other people, particularly your close friends, if we're not careful, we, I wish I had that life. I wish I had that house. I wish my kids were more like hers. I wish my husband was more like hers. I wish I had that job. I wish, the truth of the matter is, you can waste your time wishing and waiting. You can waste your time instead of saying, okay, God, you've given me this life. I'm gonna make it killer. I'm gonna do everything I can to make this the best life possible. But how? How, if our instinct is to compare, how do we do it? Because again, maybe you're married and you're like, this is not what I expected. This is not what I planned for. This is a turn I wasn't, I wasn't expecting to take. That's called life. That's called, and maybe you're, you feel like you're the only one whose life has taken an unexpected turn. 
The truth is guaranteed, if you said that out loud, that there'd be somebody else who felt exactly like you did. But we can convince ourselves that we're the only one and then we don't share our story. We don't get close to other people so we don't learn from their stories. And then the enemy convinces you you're the only one. And what happens when you believe you're the only one? That's when shame sets in. That's when depression sets in. And our whole purpose of Fearless Mom is to say, bring it into the light. Because we know that God has created us for something more. And we know that we are better with friends. So how do we do it? We choose to be the friend we want to have. And we choose to make friends. So how do we do that? I think it's important to remember that it's hard to celebrate for somebody else. It's hard, and that's okay that it's hard. It's okay, acknowledge that it's difficult. I'm telling you, I've seen people, it is easy to celebrate for other people as long as what you're celebrating isn't something you wanted. It's so hard to celebrate when something you've prayed for, when a blessing you have asked God for is given to somebody else. That's when it's really hard. But God says, do you think I have limited blessings? You know me, none, if that is what you believe. My blessings for her have nothing to do with what I can or cannot do for you. We just have to trust. There is no command to understand. The command is to trust and obey. Good friends mourn with those who mourn. Great friends celebrate with those who celebrate. That's the next level of friendship, when you can celebrate for somebody else's blessing and when you can celebrate even for the blessing that you prayed for and they got. That is a different level of friendship. And I'm gonna tell you something. It's okay if that's hard for you. Don't feel bad about that. That is human nature. But we work to overcome it. We recognize that feeling of jealousy and we say, there's something more. We're gonna get into that in just a little bit. Give honor and grace and run your own race. Here's how to be that friend and how to find those friends. R, in case you haven't noticed it on your notes, it's R-A-C-E. It's an acrostic. Okay, so um, and sometimes I, I have to really work on my words so that it's all neat and tidy in the notes. Okay, anyway. Everybody say R. Recognize. Recognize that life isn't fair, but God is always good. Life isn't fair, but God is always good. Why did she get that? Why don't I have that? Why does that family have that? She is a terrible mother, and her kids are always making A's on the test. I see her, and you would not believe what she does. She never makes sure they have their homework. And yet he aced his SAT. Life's not always fair, but God is always good. It's not my job to figure out what's going on in her house. I'm having a hard enough time to make sure I know what's going on in my house. And so I gotta run my own race. Give honor and grace and run your own race. Recognize that life isn't fair, but God is always good. Understanding that will help you understand and not compare. It's not fair. There, there, you know, we try to make sense of it all. We try to reason it. Oh, well, I guess she got that blessing. Because, no, it's not fair. But God is always good. Give me an A. a. Admit any jealousy or envy to yourself and to him. Admit any jealousy or envy to yourself and to him. You have to be honest. Telling yourself, don't compare. It's like telling yourself, don't think of a pink elephant. What are you thinking of? Yeah, a pink elephant. It's not the way to do it, but let's look at what jealousy does. Proverbs 14.30 says, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. It'll eat away from the inside out. Jealousy will rob you of your friendships. It will rob you of your joy. It will rob you of the life that you're created to live. So I could just say, don't compare. 
and move on. But we know it's human nature. We know we do it. I actually um, am reading a book right now in preparation for our new curriculum, and it says a lot about how our minds work when it comes to comparing and when it comes to trying to train ourselves to think differently. And, and there are things we can do, but actually the science shows that if I said to you, today's lesson, don't compare. When you leave here today, don't compare. Not only science says this, not only would you compare, you would probably be compelled to compare more. There is something in our brains that makes us do and makes us think about what we're not supposed to think about. You know, it's like when you go, I'm not going to eat any French fries when I go to Chick-fil-A today. Not any kids. I'm not going to eat them off the other person's table. You know, sometimes I would think, I'm not even going to order French fries. I'd order fruit for my kids. And man, that person next to them would get up and I'd be like, she's clean. You know, on a confession. But there's something about us. I never actually, I don't know that I never did it. I don't think I ever did that. But here is what we're going to do. Instead of saying don't compare, this is what we're going to do. We're going to embrace those thoughts, those thoughts of jealousy, the thoughts of comparison, the thoughts of envy. So be mindful and aware. That's number one. What triggers jealousy in you? What triggers envy in you? What triggers the comparison? Be aware of it. Be, be mindful and aware of those thoughts. Is it social media? Is it social events? When is it then you start comparing? Be aware. Track it. Write it down. Be aware. If it is social media, P.S., no one's forcing you to look at social media. Okay? And I highly recommend monitoring that. Just being aware of it. If you find yourself in a deep pit where you're thinking, you know, I'm not sure I enjoy motherhood right now or at a place in your marriage where I'm not on the same page, I'm going to tell you to stay away from social media. Because if, if you are not happy in your marriage, guaranteed everybody on social media is celebrating an anniversary, you know. Or if, you, if your kids are really bugging you right now, then odds are everyone on social media will look like they have perfect children. It's the way our minds work. Be mindful and aware. And again, the research says you can't just say don't compare. It actually increases our likelihood to compare. But here's what we're supposed to do according to this science. And I've been trying it and it's been working. <clears throat> Whatever feeling or thought I don't want to have, I know is unhealthy or I know is not beneficial to me. Instead of pushing it away, I pull it to the front. And I say, oh, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling frustrated right now. I'm feeling I'm feeling like her life is better than mine. I'm feeling like, I'm, and I bring it to the front and I look at it and then I go, that's a feeling. That is a feeling. I have to validate it. I have to acknowledge it, but I acknowledge it what it is. I didn't say it was a fact. I said it was a, I said it was a feeling. So now I'm acknowledging that and I can't always control my feelings. They're there, but I can't acknowledge them. And then I imagine it as a cloud everybody blow. Now, it's there. It's there. But now I'm going to repeat the facts that I know. I am blessed with this life. I am blessed, whatever it is. And you list your blessings. You list the truth. Fight it with facts. If you go, I walk into a room and I immediately, any of you who've ever, when I was younger, I struggled with an eating disorder. And so I walk into a room and I'm immediately thinking, if I'm not careful, like, oh my word, everyone's looking at me because of what I'm wearing. Odds are no one's even noticed you, you know? That's the fact. But the feeling, instead of pushing it back, I bring it to the front. I go, oh, that's a feeling. So I'm going to call it what it is. What's the fact? And then I'm going to fight it with facts. Does that make sense? Try it. It's amazing. Don't try to push it back. Pull it to the front. And then... As a clout, I love that part. So if you see me walking through a room and I'm, that's why. Just kidding. Just kidding. Respond to that feeling with facts now. And then another thing that we do when we compare, we're measuring my definition of success against her definition of success. I'm looking at social media. I'm looking at her highlight reel and not what's on the cutting room floor. I'm, I'm only looking at the highlights. And by the way, when people post, they move their laundry out of the way, okay? And, and so that's not, they got dirty clothes too. They made their bed for that picture, you know? And, and that's okay, we celebrate that. But I'm going to realize that's not reality either. That, that, and maybe that's her reality, it's not mine. And I'm gonna celebrate my reality. Because a good friend 
is I'm so comfortable in my own calling that I can be comfortable for her calling. I'm so content with my own capacity that I can celebrate her capacity. I've got to be who God created me to be, which takes us back to the very first thing we always say in Fearless Mom. You ask God, God, what is your vision for my life? And so when I'm focused on God's vision for my life, I'm not comparing anymore. Because if I'm running a race or if I'm swimming laps, I've got to look right ahead of me or else I run into the other lane. And so when I'm looking ahead going, God, what do you want for me? then I I can celebrate what you have for them. And I know my God does not have a limited capacity. He can bless them and he can bless me. It just may look different. So I have to recognize that. I have to recognize when I'm feeling uncomfortable with it and I have to address it and then go, what do you want for me? What do you have for me? Because I want to be in the right lane so that I can receive the blessings that you have for me. Now, give me a C. Celebrate with and for others. Remember, good friends mourn with those who mourn. Great friends celebrate with those who celebrate. It's hard, but make yourself do it even when you don't feel like it. Go, I'm so happy for you. And it's okay to be sad on the inside. Say the words, I'm so happy for you. I used to do this with um, teenagers over at my house. When I would have a big group of teenagers, I had these big Hershey bars, and I would randomly give them out. I would say, let me think, who gets the Hershey bar today? And I would hand it to one person. And everybody else had to turn and look at that person and say, I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy. It was like this. I was trying to teach them, like, life's not always fair, but God is always good. Sometimes I gave the chocolate bar to a person who invited, because it was always before middle school and high school church. So if someone brought a friend, maybe you get it. Because, yes, sometimes there are blessings when we are obedient. But sometimes blessings are random. I made them say it when they would call shotgun for the car. Whoever had to sit in the back seat had to turn to the person who got shotgun and say, I'm so happy for you. I'll try to make it a part of their DNA. And sometimes the person who got the blessing is what we called it. Sometimes the person who got the chocolate bar shared with everybody else. And man, that's awesome. But sometimes they didn't. And that's life. Sometimes people get all the blessings and keep all their blessings. And some people get the blessings and share. But it was a life lesson. It was, you know what? Life's not always fair, but God is always good. And and I'm going to get my chocolate one day. I'm going to get my chocolate one day. Today, it's his day. I'm happy for it. And I'm going to be nice because then maybe he'll share. Celebrate with, with and for others. Again, it, it is not unnatural to be jealous. That is our nature. That is a, so, so denying it or ignoring it or getting frustrated with yourself is actually not productive. Instead, recognize it and address it. And, and then address it with facts. If you're the person receiving the blessings, if you're the person, I'm gonna ask you just to be aware of those around you. Be aware of complaining about, oh, this remodel is killing me when this girl over here is still in an apartment and we give her right arm for a remodel. Just be aware, be aware, oh, this morning sickness, gee whiz. This is, so I've, been, I've been in this situation where this woman is just complaining, complaining. None of my clothes fit anymore. Oh, this is so annoying. And this girl over here, she'd been trying for years to get pregnant. Be aware of how your blessings may affect others. And be sensitive. Give honor, give grace, and run your own race. And be aware that others are running theirs. And be aware how if you're the one receiving the blessings, that not everyone around you feels the same. Be gentle about that. Give me an E. E. Uh Uh-oh, y'all are kind of dropping. So I'm going to give y'all one more chance. Ready? Give me an E. E. Express gratitude every opportunity you get. There is no surprise that the science of gratitude says it improves every part of your life but not just feeling it. Yes, we journal our gratitude journal. We believe in it. That's step one. Step two is now expressing it because science shows that expressing gratitude not only helps the person and affirms the person hearing it, but it also makes me feel better. 
So do it for yourself. Do it for, the, do it for the science. Express that gratitude. And if you need to, expressing gratitude reminds you of the blessings that you have. When you're looking at her blessings and you're like, oh, I will, I'll tell you one thing about friends. Notice that Mary and Elizabeth, this is another good thing for us to remember. Mary and Elizabeth were in two completely different life stages. Yes, they were experiencing a similar situation, but they were at completely different life stages. If you haven't already, find friends in a different life stage because it will change your perspective. I have, you know, two young adult children, my closest friends, Ashley Horn, I tell you, she's got elementary kids. And so I can give her perspective and say one day they'll move out. And she gives me perspective when I complain about, you know, having an empty nest. She's like, oh, I'll bring one over, you know. And it's helpful when you, if we're only friends with people in our same life stage, we can't pick our chin up and change our perspective. Perspective changes everything. Um, and express gratitude every opportunity you get. Now, I'm going to close by reading 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, if you've ever been to a wedding, you've probably heard 1 Corinthians 13. It's all about love. And I'm going to change the word love to a friend. And we're going to read it as though this is the template for how to be a friend and how to look for a friend. How am I picky with my clicky? How do I choose my fabulous friends? I look for people like this and I try to be this person too. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, paraphrased for friendship. Here we go. A friend is patient and kind. A friend is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. A friend does not demand her own way. A friend is not irritable, and a friend keeps no record of being wronged. A friend does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. A friend never gives up, never loses faith, and is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. We need good friends. And we need to be good friends. And as a mom, I know I want my kids to have good friends and to be good friends. And we know because we say it every time, the best way for me to teach my child how to be a good friend is to be a good friend myself. The best way to teach my child how to be picky with her clicky is to be picky with my clicky myself. And so if you're thinking, I want that, I know I need that, how do I do that? Go back to our notes and put it into practice and start with being the friend you want to have. And you're thinking, I'm trying, keep trying. A good friend never gives up hope, never quits trying. I know that God is good. I know there have been seasons in my life when I had no friends, I felt like, and I thought, okay, this is my time to focus on my friendship with God to focus on what I am thinking about and talking to him about. And then time passed, and I've been so blessed by so many friends. But I'm choosy, I'm selective, not snooty, with my circle of friends, and I would encourage you to be the same. Be the friend you want to have. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the example that Mary and Elizabeth are to us of friendship, of cheering each other on, of sharing their stories with one another, of being in different stages to give each other perspective. I thank you for the role model that Elizabeth is of celebrating her blessing and while being able to celebrate Mary's blessings too. I ask right now, God, that you hover over us, that you remind us that you are good and that you've got our backs And we are never alone in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You know, it's just natural, like Julie was talking about, when we start comparing, it leads to feelings of less than, like jealousy or envy or bitterness, or better than, like pride or contempt. And sometimes, I think we can just spend a little time in gratitude, and it's enough to shift our perspective. But there's other times that those those uh, emotions are a little more persistent. And I think that it takes, um, it takes a, a, a bit more effort. We tend to want to push it away or shove it down or ask God, take these feelings away from us. But when we do that, 
we end up obsessing on them more. Anytime you prohibit any kind of behavior in, your, in yourself, it comes up more. And ironically, it's when we allow ourselves to feel those feelings that we're able to let them go. And so if you find yourself in a state where you're really comparing or you're really feeling some envy or bitterness, instead of asking God to take it away, ask him to show you what that ha- those feelings have to teach you. You know, sometimes feelings like jealousy or envy can reveal to us deep-seated longings we have for our lives that we haven't even clarified yet. So we can use those emotions to help figure out what our vision is or where we need to make some changes. And that's what we're going to focus on during our reflection today. What can we do to stay more focused on our own lane? Is making a gratitude list enough today to help you focus back in or to shift your perspective? Or do you need to spend some time thinking about those comparisons you're making and what they have to teach you? So when the music comes on, as always, we will stop to think and pray, asking God to help us see things as they really are. Then we will evaluate ourselves, taking an honest look at our thoughts, our feelings, our behaviors. We'll make a list of the actions we can take or the, the changes we can make to be more like Elizabeth and to be at peace and thankful for the blessings in our lives. And that we do that so that we can put forth the effort to do the fight or to engage in the fight, to be the kind of person who can wholeheartedly celebrate her friends. And for those of you who are watching online or with a group, after I pray us out, the video or audio will cut out, so this is your cue to set a two-minute timer so that you can reflect along with us. If you will, bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for carefully placing the beautiful friendship between Mary and Elizabeth in the Bible to serve as an example for all of us. God, in the next few moments, please open our eyes and clear our minds, allowing us to see things as you see things. Help us see where we need to stop comparing or where we need to shift our perspective. And help us use any uncomfortable feelings to help clarify our vision or identify areas where we need to take action. God, we are so thankful for your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your love. And we're so grateful for the unique and specific blessings you have for us the tangible blessings, the relational blessings, the spiritual blessings, and even those overlooked blessings like toys on the floor and piles of laundry. God, we love you and we appreciate you. It's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.